Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, car fiends and gearheads, welcome to Driven Radio, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield, here with our engineer and co-host, Mr. Mark Groves. Yo! And Corey Pratt of Craving Cars on YouTube. Hey! How you doing, dude? Doing okay. I know you had a good weekend. We're going to get to that in just a second. All right. We are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in beautiful Overland Park, Kansas. Not nearly so much monsoon today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little drier, a little, little nicer. A little nicer not to look outside and mm-hmm. see some old guy grabbing animals two by two and throw <laughs> them in a boat. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. And listen everywhere fine podcasts are heard. If you like what you're hearing, God bless you. Uh, leave <laughs> us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform, and be sure to tell all your gearhead friends. If you have an interesting story or if there's something you'd like to hear more of, tell us. Send your emails to brett at drivenradioshow.com. Mr. Corey. Yes, sir. You did something with your cars. That, well, not your cars this weekend, but you did something car-related this weekend. I did something extremely car-related this weekend. About time, dude. I went on another lovely rally. Before you jump into this rally, and it's going to be great, mm-hmm. does this mean you got all the moving done and you're out of your house? That The day that we are recording this, it has been completed and signed, and we are no longer in ownership, and the money's going to be in our hands by tomorrow morning. Hallelujah, praise Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. Not sure why I started going to some weird Pass accent the there. Plate but. and make it great. <laughs> so that's all done. The worry's done. I am back to Craving Cars is back, baby. Good, good, nice. good. Now tell us what you did with Craving Cars this weekend. And we opened it up to another Red Line Rallies. Cool. Oh, where'd you go? Uh, this was their second one. This was a uh, so more elaborate, uh, a little bit longer. The other one was like a two day thing. This was a three day. So now this is kind of like the rallies they're looking at getting, and they invited me to help with their media. Yay! Ooh. Where'd you go? So super excited. We left out of Kansas City, um, hit up lunch in Springfield, ended up the day in Memphis. Really? Yes. That's a pretty good day. That is a pretty good day. It was a lot of driving on that one. A few okay roads, but not as many until you get past like. Springfield and stuff. You start yeah. getting some little bit better ones. Okay, next morning we get up. Uh, they goes from there, and the, the the destination is Little Rock. So not near as far, but we get to have way more fun and go off on some of the roads. That Lot, were, lots prettier driving. Yes, yes. And then and the next day we uh, take off from Little Rock, um, head through up through some of the most amazing roads now to this date that I have been on, um, and then through Branson and all the way back on the Kansas City on Sunday. So how many miles? And it's time for the Chiefs game. How many? Well, and, and poor guy <laughs> turned out as well as it yeah, should. Yeah, How many yeah. miles all in? Oh my goodness! Um, I kind of forgot. <laughs> but but here's here's a formula. Here's something that's interesting that someone put together. So, from when they left their home mm-hmm. and then headed to the launch site and then all the stuff that we did, and uh, and then coming home, so all the travel time that they put in there. Uh, they did some weird math or whatever, and what they ended up doing was with all the time it took, with the miles that they went and how fast they did it in, they averaged 20 miles an hour even when they were sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Which means you all were hustling. Yeah, maybe just, just, uh, maybe just a little bit. but yeah, uh, a little. This was really cool. They had a really good program with this. Uh, they covered every breakfast and lunch. For those three days, mm-hmm. and nice. you were just on your own for for, but you just kind of go out and pick a place, you know, join a little group, whatever, and go do dinner, or whatever you wanted to do after that. It was really, really awesome. And you you went on this rally in uh, in a car that was not your own. This is right. Uh, I was working with another gentleman, uh, helping me out with some media as well, and we opted for the perfect 
media car okay. that you can come up with. And what we came up with kinda was like a 2000... Kinda, so it's kind of like picking the right cannonball car, right? It's got to mm. have the right space, the room. The, it had the, had the right uh, maneuverable capabilities and the braking power and uh-huh. the speed to keep up with all these really awesome cars. Cadillac Escalade. Like, for instance, we had a couple R8s. We had a McLaren uh, a 675LT on the trip. So we, we had some fast cars on there, right? Some Porsches right. and 911 Turbos. And Audi, 2013... Audi RS5 with a 4.2 liter naturally aspirated V8. A little bit of uh, uh, stuff done to this one with over 500 to the wheels. Wow! So it was that's pretty potent. It, it was uh, it wasn't too bad. And it uh, I drove some of it. Uh, he drove some of it, and we were both were shooting, and it was awesome. And the car actually handled. It's kind of a heavy car still. It is, yeah. but I was amazed on how well this car still handled. Like full throttle on the corner, you'll get it on the corner. You let off, you'll understeer. Cool car. <laughs> Great roads. Yes. Three days worth of driving. Mm-hmm. When can we expect to see your coverage on Craven Cars? Uh, within two to three weeks. Okay. Uh, we're, we're working together, so we're both going to be putting a little bit of hype video up. We should see in a couple of weeks, and then it'll be a more fuller, long, long like. I want to see this before Halloween, young man. I'm going to give him my shot. Okay. Give good deal. Best I can do. Nice. Mr. Groves. Rode the bike over. And uh, it has keys and wrote it twice. Actually, yeah, it has keys. And I'll go back down and pick up my climbers manual. So how, but, uh, <laughs> how is it now with that carb all restomicated? And there's a okay. Uh, the definite on the plus sides, uh, mm-hmm. much faster pickup. Crisper the, there is, response. Oh yeah, there is no hesitation at three thousand period end of story and four thousand. Uh, scoots right along. I'm guessing that's a more fun bike. Uh, I definitely like that. (laughs) (laughs) Mark like. Mark Uh, got a hot rod. (laughs) But I, it does backfire more than it did. So I got to, I got to read up on that and figure out what that is. A little tinker with it. Yeah. And kind of go from there. But, uh, was very glad to have that in and, and thank you to the Moto Union for, uh, or, uh, Hickory Street Union, uh, for taking care of that and also for finding that nut for my front. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that is important. It, you know, it just, it did, I honestly, it did look better with the nut on there. Yeah, well, <laughs> more attached, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, yeah it was just a little. Slightly safer, maybe. And I, and I got to unpucker. Yeah. So um, uh, that was great. And I haven't had a chance to really ride it around because I was in, uh, speaking of Branson, I was in Branson Saturday. My uh, my mom is, uh, it, it's family stuff. But uh, I was down there for that whole day and then came back. And then, of course, Sunday, it uh, started raining and, and oh, all of that. But, good grief. Um, it was Sunday afternoon. It just and I'm like, my bike's dumped. sitting in there. I got it Friday night. I went to Branson Saturday. And then Sunday's raining, and I'm sulking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it was a very nice ride. The two rides I took here today because I forgot my backpack also. And uh, and, yeah, and, and ready. Yeah, it's an excuse to get an extra five miles. Oh, dude, yeah, I, I won't kid you. It was still nice. I was like, ah, look, I have to go faster. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm in a hurry for them. I, I have to go faster. Only if I had a freshly rebuilt carburetor. Oh, I do. And I can. And I can. Yes. It's so nice. So anyway, that's uh, that's that, my pleasure that's, for the week. That has been way overdue. That's been a long time coming. Oh, and I did, I did buy new tires for my truck, which, side note, you know, I went to like three different places, all of the regular real mechanics and then a tires extra or tires more or more tires for you or whatever and they were all really expensive and i hate to admit this but i went to walmart and you know uh when you're paying half the price for something that has a uh you know expected mileage on it one of the set of tires i looked at at this one place they wanted thirteen hundred dollars all done out the door Mm. with no mileage warranty on it that's an f-toe yeah and i'm like wow no i've never spent that much for a set of tires no, any car I've ever owned. Well, you know, these are uh, 18 inches, and it was I was looking at truck tires, you know, uh, ATs, or was it TAs, ATs, something like that, mm-hmm. show off my I know truck kind of-ish <laughs> stuff. But then uh, I did go on ahead and go with regular radials, which would have been less, but the regular radials were still, you know, the $1,200 mm-hmm. per set. And I'm like, son of a, how does Walmart do this? What poor child put this together with their bare feet while they sewed soccer balls? I, I feel I, kind of bad, but... Hmm. I'll say this. Uh, I've had really, really great luck with Discount Tire here in town. Mm. And they had wide, white radials for that 60 Corvette. Yeah, yeah. Put them on. They were very, very, very careful. I only threw one hubcap on the way home. <laughs> yeah. The guys did a really good Tapping job. Tapping that with they those were, rubber mallets. They were, uh, <laughs> they were super careful with the car, and I think that's in part because they were super paranoid about the car. 
So there you be. I should have got wide white walls. I, I, I get the moral to the story. Thank it, you. It'd oh. be, a, be a good look on your truck. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it? Uh, I did not go to the Lake Garnett Grand Prix. Oh, you didn't? No? No, actually, I had to stay home and do real adult-type crap and work on my house. Uh, and grown-up stuff. Yeah. It's, I, I, I know what that's like. I don't adult well, and it. I don't adult frequently. Mm. Uh, <laughs> however, uh, Dad and I went and drove Vlad around for a little while. Mm-hmm. Y'all. He drove for a while. He doesn't drive a stick much, and uh, he he doesn't – I don't think he likes it. And we got back, and he looked at me, and he said, you know, I got that silver 65 Corvette, and I got a couple other convertibles, and I'm not real sure where I would drive this. Let's sell it. Yo. He said, let's sell it. So, <laughs> Vlad is once again for mm. sale. A little bittersweet for me there. But that's okay. You know, I got my Corvette, and he liked it so much, he got his Corvette. Okay. You know, it's it's a hard world yeah. when you and your dad have matching Corvettes, you know, yeah. complimentary Corvettes. Yeah. Damn. That's got to suck. Yeah. <laughs> it's not so rough. It's not like if Vlad was your only one. My, my, my dad and I had matching rough. hamburgers yeah. sometimes. 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 Well, you can't own everything. Where would you keep it? <laughs> so, But you can sure as hell well, try. Well, not according to Jay Leno. <laughs> Between the two of us, we could start a car lot. Yeah, you're almost there. Uh, so anyway, Vlad's going to be back uh up for sale here pretty quick she's cleaned up she's running well she's got everything right there and it, it's been fun but it's not i it's time yeah 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 it, i'm too paranoid about the car so i kind of yeah. need to find it in a new home it's just too, it's too nice <laughs> in the news uh ford levels an anti an automotive landmark to make way for a new design center a, we have a Bugatti that looks like a charcoal briquette, and <laughs> Mustangs are going to take a power hit next year. Our special guest this week is auto restorer and expert John Sacamino, and we're going to be talking to him about buying a restoration shop in your mid-50s, what to look for in a restoration shop, and what he will and will not work on. Let's get to the news. From uh, Hemmings. Demolition begins on Ford's Dearborn Styling House, the Product Development Center. Now, less than a year into his tenure as president of Ford Motor Company, Henry Ford II announced that the company built a centrally located design center. It became the Product Development Center in Dearborn, Michigan. Center was the origin of every North American car and truck for nearly 70 years. Good grief. Wow. For Ford. And, you know, the pictures of that place are so cool with the yes. just the stretch of desks and a bunch of nerds with glasses who love horsepower <laughs> wailing away on pieces of paper. And it's like, this is this is cool. Dude. And, you know, doing it by hand, using the French curves and stuff like that, just freaking awesome. I could have been one of those nerds. You could have been. And now uh, the building itself with its kind of round part and then that kind of curved That's long so section. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's like that mid-century furniture. I oh, got yeah. this. I got this great uh, coffee table that my dad had from the fifties, right? I think it was his first piece of furniture because his, his God is my witness. It's been through a house fire, and he just sanded it down and restained it solid walnut, and it doesn't match a damn thing in my house, and I don't know what to do with it. But it's, as God is my witness, I'll never let it go. It's got that mid-century modern oh, design yeah. to it. You just simple and elegant. And yeah. kind of, but and this is so much the same thing. But it's going bye bye. It's been there for so long, and it's just they you know they've outgrown it. Ford dedicated the center in May 1953, almost immediately put it to use in the development of the 55 T Bird, and like they announced last September, Ford's going to transform the area into and I quote a walkable campus of interconnected buildings that could one day house more than 20,000 employees in a flexible, high tech environment, showcasing new mobility solutions such as electrified bikes, scooters, and shuttles. Unquote. Screw you, museum. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you could have built around it. They did it in London to these awesome buildings and then just built a big canopy over it. I'm I'm sorry, Ford. I just, I love the building. I love the design. It's beautiful. And think of the history there. And I hate to hear of anybody leveling something to make way for. Yeah. Couldn't they just refresh the inside and left the outside look to it? With with some of the interiorness to it, kind of. Listen, we're just. 
we're just talking because like yeah. we know anything. Yeah, it, <laughs> that's why I'm it, asking the question. It, it couldn't have be, been done that way. It might be falling down. It might be beyond rehab. Oh, and think it, about this: uh, our, our little friend doors. in old buildings, asbestos. Oh yeah. If they even went into you know to kind of remodel it, it might cost so much more than to actually make a building that's absolutely modern. The password is mesothelioma. <laughs> And scene. <laughs> Have you seen those ambulance chasers on TV? Uh, so. so it's going bye bye. If you happen to see it, take yeah. your pictures now. Yep, it's that's sad. Yeah, uh, from Road and Track. Oh, Ed Bullion. Oh, Ed. Ed, it's your chance. Ed. Oh, Ed. Oh, Ed. <laughs> There's a fire damage Bugatti Chiron at, on Copart, and it is the king of salvage supercars. Bugatti plans to make just 500 examples of the Chiron hypercar. Most of those were already sold in advance when it came to market in 2018. So your best bet is to, to secure the multi-million dollar Grand Tour is the used car market. The used car, that doesn't even seem like it fits. Perfect Chirons rarely cross the auction block. Are you looking at the pictures of this thing the right pictures, now? Pictures and then what it's still worth. And I'm like, what? Yeah, no kidding. This but thing's you a gotta, marshmallow. You got to remember the thing started three and a half, four million dollars. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, well, perfect Chirons rarely cross the auction block. So you may have to compromise a little bit. <laughs> There's carbon Fortune. fiber and then there's carbonized fiber and this is <laughs> caramelized fiber. Caramelized fiber. <laughs> Fortunately, the total car auctioneers at Copart have your back. Like so many totaled cars, the Sharon is listed on Cobart with some burnt cars. Some. Some. <laughs> some the, non. The left front fender and front luggage compartment are both burnt pretty badly, and the interior is coated in some sort of dust or fire suppressant. The rest of the car seems to be in relatively good shape. Runs and drives may be an optimistic statement, but Copart at least claims that the burnt Sharon ran at idle when it arrived at its lot. Oh. The cosmetic okay. issues are bad, but they are solvable the bigger worries are the damage you can't see and it's just good god man you take that apart you can't imagine what's underneath the skin there it's just scary as crap copart estimates car still worth three hundred forty-five thousand dollars. at worst you could get a w16 or, or engine swap at best it may be a bargain of a fixable car in a price range where bargains are otherwise impossible i've already asked ed bullion about it i did i sent him a message i asked him how many people have sent you this article he said it was north of 100 good lord well, at least the engineering's by kingsford so <laughs> you know. it's a new emblem on the back says weber <laughs> <laughs> All right, from Roden Track, the Ford Mustang's Coyote V8 will lose 10 horsepower in 2022. That, so, sh- that shouldn't not, be that big a deal. It, that that's not that a Coyote deal. V8 is so potent anyway. Yeah. I don't. Would you even notice it? I bet not. And I bet zero to 60s in quarter mile times. So I haven't changed one freaking bit. So before anybody wants to complain about, oh, you're cutting horsepower from yeah. our stuff by Ford Authority. Uh, is first reported that all Mustangs uh, powered by the 5-liter Coyote V8 will be reduced in horsepower and torque. That would be the Ford Authority I work for. Oh, oh look at that. But I didn't report it. But Can that's not until the 2022 models. Yeah. There you. <laughs> um, they're down 10 horsepower, 10 foot-pounds of torque for both the GT and the Mach 1 offerings. So the drop in power is due to emissions compliance, according to a Ford spokesperson. Uh, as the emission uh, regulations continue to tighten around the globe, these kinds of adjustments are becoming more common. Uh, Ford isn't the only automaker to experience this as of late, as reports from earlier in the uh, in the year noted that uh, these sorts of changes had to be made to the C8 Corvette's naturally aspirated V8 as well. Yeah, but they didn't have a power But that drive. said, that said, GM's engineers were able to retain all of the motor's horsepower and torque despite the Let's get the down tweaks. to brass tacks, mister. Yes, this means that the 2022 Mustang GT should arrive to the markets with 450 horsepower because as if that's not enough. <laughs> I can't get to the this store is, on that. What the this hell? This is yeah. almost like a non We're supposed to put groceries in this trunk? What the heck? Yeah, what the heck? Okay. 410 foot-pounds of torque. Uh, the Mach 1 will make 470 horse and also 410 uh, torque. Those are still pretty respectful figures. I mean, come on. I mean, there's so much you're going to be able to do them aftermarket. If you you need more than that, for Christ's sake, it's out there. Who cares? But it's still very uh, comparable to the offerings from Chevrolet and Dodge. So 
So four hundred fifty horse for a GT, four seventy for a Mach one. You're uh-huh. gonna lose. Uh-huh. You're not even gonna notice it. Uh-uh. Listen, if you had twenty horsepower and you lost ten, well, you'd notice that. But if oh you're yeah, absolutely pushing five hundred and you lose ten, no, that's nothing. Nope. As a matter of fact, in the Mustang GT in Europe, it only has four hundred and forty-four horsepower. So there you go. America finally has something better. <laughs> We've been better for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's itch- now. How about this? Do you think the uh, GT five hundred is going to be affected? By 10 horsepower? No. No, I didn't think so. Not even. Uh, what was horsepower figure for a GT500? Is it like 760 or something like yeah. that? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> what? Yeah. what? Exactly. But anyways, there you go. Hey, well, you know, you can go to the Mach-E and get 600, up to 617 or 612 foot-pound of torque. Yeah, but you have to drive a Mach-E. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mark, for... You have to drive a Mach-E. You, have to you know what he was just doing there? He was kicking us in the shin. Did, did, I, did I mention you have to drive a Mach-E? The, oh, we don't have the hand-tuned, throaty growl on that one. <laughs> this god-awful looking nose it's, on a Mach-E. Sounds like you're turning on your bench grinder. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, though. The Mach-E has a you're better... You're right, that does sound like that. A Mach-E <laughs> has a better front end on it. Than what is the mid-sized sedan that Tesla makes? It's a what is that donkey that what, got what, hit by what's a that, truck? The, the, <laughs> it's uh, not the Model X. That's the SUV. What's the? Oh, that's not that's the one you were talking about. No, no, no. The mid-sized sedan that uh, Tesla makes. What's that one? Oh God. Oh well, um, it's, the, it's the yeah. one. Oh, oh, I know. It's the one we can't think of the name of. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, either of you two ever seen the movie Evolution? The front end on that. On that Tesla always reminds me of the fuzzy no-nose chimp from Evolution. <laughs> it's just god awful. When when Rhonda and I are driving, we'll see one of those and go, "Look, fuzzy no-nose car." Well, I hate to admit it uh, to be that that guy, but I am that guy. Um, sure. I have never liked any of the Teslas, any of them. I think they are ugly. Believe I, it or I not, they were cool. Believe it or not, out. I would drive a looks Model wise. S, not for the looks, just for the fact that it will absolutely. St- Dump down the road, at least for a few runs until you get everything hot and the batteries lose their charge and all that. But yep. I want something that will run a nine-second quarter mile. I don't care how it gets there. <laughs> I don't care if it's a rocket a rocket engine or a turbine and it melts the bumper on the car behind me. I don't care. I don't. Did I ever tell you I drove don't. a Model S with the performance pack a few weeks really? ago? Really? Yeah. The guy, uh, he actually, the, the owner just said, well, you mean you haven't driven one of these yet? I'm like, no. no. He's like, do you got a minute? I'm like. For you, yes. I got you. Yes, I do now. Okay, so spit it out. Oh, it's ridiculous. Did you get to do full launch? Full launch. He, first thing he did, we pull off a parking lot and immediately stop within like thirty feet and goes, "Okay, let's do let's just do the launch right now." I'm like, so uh, full, I'm not going to say no. Full on plaid mode, all that. Uh, it wasn't oh the plaid. God. Okay, it's the fastest thing there was before the plaid that Tesla had. It's still stinking fast. It's ridiculously fast. So and, what do you think? Oh, it's. Um, I wouldn't. It's almost nauseous. Really? It, it throw you back in the seat so much. Like, let's say if you were a passenger, you know how you're looking down your phone, you weren't ready, and someone did that, you'd probably like, oh, oh I want something so fast it'll make you barf. Yeah, that's, that's that'll pretty much do it. <laughs> and actually, I'm going to be honest, being the handling kind of like sports car kind of person that I really love those kind of cars, it handled better than I thought it was going to. And oh, actually, really? actually, it's all right. See? And, and just See? middle. So we were just driving a few times. She's like, what are you doing? Step on it. And I'm like, Hey, okay. I I don't crap on everything electric. If you're super fast, I'm interested. Yeah, it's still strange that there's nothing in front of you, and off to the side, there's this giant screen. Like, there's not even a. (laughs) At least the Porsche Taycan at least puts some kind of a. uh, Oh, so there is something in front of you. There is nothing. There is nothing in front of you. It's just smooth dash, and everything's on that screen. Yeah. Everything, That'd and I don't, weird. I don't really care for that. I don't that, care for that setup. Well, you know, I've owned four Jeeps, so that isn't that weird. It's just <laughs> even selecting. I don't know. Just anyways, it doesn't really matter. Mark's, Either way, does uh, it does it drive, does it drive good? Mark, it's fast. Mark's it's ridiculous. So it's really it's, it's like line. when you're 17 and sneak into the strip club, and you're like, "Whoa, wait, what? <laughs> Where's the what?" <laughs> yeah, I I could that would be hard for me to deal with because if you're having to look kind of over to your right. So you think I, they'd at least when, put some kind of gauge I, cluster in When front I of snuck you. in, I thought this is everything I always dreamed it would be. <laughs> <laughs> All I felt was fear uh-huh. and discipline. Fear <laughs> and discipline. I, I, not none of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
All I thought is, this is why I don't go to church, because this is where I I did. found my special purpose. That's right. This is, I'm home. You can't really deny the the what a Tesla is, but it doesn't yeah. mean you have to like it. So Yeah. I, I just can't think they're, they're, Anyways, they're we got kind of off the before, rails of before losing this, 10 horsepower. Before this goes any further <laughs> off the rails, coming up in segment two, we will be talking to auto restorer and expert John Sacamino about buying a restoration shop in your mid-50s, what to look for in a restoration shop, and what he won't work on. All this and much more is coming up next on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio Show, coming to you from Driven Media World Headquarters in lovely, bucolic. I was wondering when you were going to pop that in there. (laughs) Got to get the B B word in. Our special (laughs) guest this week is John Sacamino, owner of Sport and Specialty in Durand, Illinois. John is a lifelong car guy. As a kid, all of his favorite toys had wheels. John has long had a passion for British and Italian marks. Oh, my goodness. We're going to talk about Lucas. (laughs) and not kindly (laughs) he's been an avid amateur racer and instructor for nearly two decades competing in vintage sports car drivers association races and the b sedan trans am series at the end of 2012 john purchased sports and specialty located in northern illinois sport and specialty is an award-winning full-service restoration and maintenance shop catering to the European sports car community with a focus on cars from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Sport and Specialty also provides vintage racing prep and support. Basically, it's just the land of cool. <laughs> you go in there and see all kinds of cool I, I stuff. I built my kind of, own playground. I built my own playground. Yeah, the, yeah well, the three yes, of us would did. probably stand in the middle of the shop stupidly going, wow. Toys. Like, cool. I've done my job properly. That's, that's, what, I, that's what people do. John, welcome to Driven Radio. Thank you. For, uh, thanks for having me. It's great. After a 30-year career as a sales and marketing executive and a general manager in retail technology and logistics, you bought a restoration shop in your mid-50s. What were you thinking? Uh, what would possess you to do such a thing, and is it a move you would recommend to anybody else? Um, you know, the shop was owned by a, a good friend of mine who, who passed away before his time. He was 55. And he had run the shop and built the shop and founded it. And he'd been there like 16, 17 years. And, and um, a- after he passed away, I, ke- I kept the shop running. I was kind of like the business manager moving things around. There was three employees there. There's a bunch of cars in there. The family says, you know, we're going to close it down. I go, not so fast. Not so fast. No, don't do that. There's cars in the shop. Don't, don't do that. So I, I, I went and got a real job for a while (laughs) and uh, I I had sold it. I sold the business. I was, uh, let me back up. I sold the business I was operating and I was kind of on hiatus. Okay. I got like fifty million dollars for this business that that for my company, and I and they 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 kissed me on both cheeks on the way out, and I went, cool, this is great. And then I didn't work for a while, you know, and I'm like, I I don't have enough money to like do this forever, and I have really bad habits vis-a-vis cars and racing and stuff, so I gotta <laughs> go find a job, okay? So I said, okay, I'll do that. I'll go find a job, and and I had one, and I didn't like it. I'm like, man, I haven't worked in like four or five years here. I like t-shirts and jeans. I don't want to like wear sport coats again and you know work for a guy. And I don't want to do that. So after Mark passed away, I, I I helped the family keep the shop running. And I'm like, you know, I could do this. You know, this would be fun. And my wife's looking at me like, oh, isn't that like an alcoholic buying a bar? No, this is not a, this is probably not a good you know formula for you. And I'm like, no, 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 it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I, I can do this better. It'll be fun. <laughs> so you know nobody else in it nobody else in the family wanted it I, I knew the guys i know the market here um you know i had to like start my my you know bring bring my own brand to it if you will you know because i'm not mark my friend mark but you know i think this would be fun so and what and then i did that frankly i did that before in my old company i was kind of like the cleanup guy we bought companies and then i go in and like fix them and that's how I ended up selling everything was that I, we took all these like cats and dogs. I was the vice president of cats and dogs. We took all these cats and dog <laughs> businesses. I turned them into one business and I sold it. You know, that, 
And I'm like, I did that before. Cool, this will be fun, and, and it'll be mine, and I don't have to worry about reporting to a board, and, you know, if I spend money, it's my money. I don't have to beg people for it. And employees, I got great employees. I think this will be fun, so there I was. Anybody who loves classic cars or owns classic cars at some point will contemplate whether or not they want to restore them. And there's a number of questions that those of us who own classic and collector cars uh, would love to have answered honestly <laughs> by someone who doesn't have an immediate financial interest in the answer. So one of those is how much faith should an owner put in restoration estimates? Uh, what are the dangers inherent in them? And are there guidelines or formulas for estimating what a restoration will cost? I'll tell you, the minute I hear restor, you know, estimates, you know, and estimates are crazy. You were just talking about it. I heard you off, off air talking about, you know, once you peel the paint off of it, what's underneath it. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I guess there's some guidelines. You say, listen, you know, you could say a good restoration isn't going to be less than 75000 bucks or 100000 bucks. It depends on how bad the car is. But, you know, when, when we talk about restoring a car, I don't know until I get the paint off. You know, we took a, yeah. we, we've taken paint off cars, and I was horrified. I'm like, well, wait a minute. How would I know this? My x-ray vision would have would have had to have been excellent to be able can't, to figure this out. Can't see through the lead paint, though, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's amazing the sculpting that can go on. We we just pulled the we just pulled the nose off a Jaguar, a knee type uh, yesterday. And Ryan, my my fabrication guy, says, "Oh, this is you know this will be great. I I think we're going to keep it together, and I'm not going to dip the whole thing." I go, "Oh, great, great strategy." And then he started pulling the paint off of it a little bit at a time, checking here and checking there, and chunks of it were coming off. And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, it's going in there. Yeah, it's coming apart." And, I wouldn't have seen, I mean, how would I know that? How would I know that otherwise? So I, yeah, I would tell you that, you know, rule of thumb, I kind of use like the last car we did, you know, if it was a Healy, it was X amount of dollars. If it was a Jag, it cost about here, you know, or I tell you, it's going to be 75,000 plus fabrication or 80,000 plus fabrication. Um, there's just so many costs that go into it, you know, that, that most people don't consider. You know, paint, engine, interior, wiring, chrome, top, glass. It just goes on and on. And, and I, for example, I had a guy, we did a Ferrari 330 GT 2 plus 2 car, 65. It was really, really nice car. And, and we did the exterior, and I said, I said he says, oh, my, my old interior is going to look fine. I go, okay, come on by tomorrow. And we just laid it all out next to the car. This, this old ratty red piece of crap looking <laughs> interior sitting there in this beautiful silver car. I went, are we going to put that in there? No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, but everybody thinks what they're looking at is going to be good enough for the restoration. And it just typically isn't. Mission creep like you wouldn't believe. You know, 65 Ferrari 330 GT 2 plus 2. Our guest last week, Andy Reid, that's what he used his college tuition to buy. I'm wondering if that's the same car. <laughs> I know Andy and friends, and no, it's not. This was, uh, you know, one of those four headlight jobs, you know, um, that nobody liked that all of a sudden are worth a lot of money. They're worth well, a lot of money. Well, it's because all the two headlight jobs already got out of reach. Suddenly yeah. the four yeah, headlight yeah. jobs yeah. don't look so bad. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. I was happy when the value went up because in the – the value to uh, cost ratio on the restoration was a little bit better. <laughs> a little bit better. Are there good and bad reasons to restore a car? <sighs> yeah. I mean, number one, you have to love the car. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's, that's the best, that's the best reason I could give you. You either like that car or you like that style of car or that mark of car. Um you know, it, I have like a Venn diagram I use. You know, a guy calls and says, hey, my uncle just died and left me this car. And I'm like, oh, great. Broom you know, <laughs> or some guy calls and says, hey, I've got this Healy or I've got this Jaguar. And I'm like, hey, great. Before we go any further, do you love this car? Nope. <laughs> then let's just stop right here. Because if you don't love this car, you know, everyone's going to be mad at everyone in about three months. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to happen. And, and. I, I have this conversation all the time, and, and the next one is like, yeah, I love the car. I really like it. I want to do something with it. I go, oh, cool. I go, okay, um, does your wife love this car? You know, or actually before that, I go, does what do you want to do with this you? car? <laughs> well, yeah, because she's going to hate my guts pretty soon here. Cause those, <laughs> you 
you know, and, and what happens is I say, what do you want to do with the car? And I have guys that go, well, I'm going to retire in about four years. And my wife and I are going to drive around, you know, the country and see things in this Healy. And I go, really? When was the last time you drove one of these cars? Well, I had one in high school. I'm like, you know, you're a 64 year old man. Get in that car and drive it a hundred miles. And then, you know, and then put your wife in there and see if she wants to drive back with you. Okay. And I gotta you, your 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 plans are gonna change significantly. We're thinking uh-huh. of the yeah. Unless unless we build it that way. I can build a cooler Healy. You know, we can build a, a better Jaguar. You know, you gotta put a five speed in it. You gotta do those things, but you know, make sure that all your bases are covered before you go down that restoration road, you know, and 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 it's it is the car that you want. You know, a bad reason to do it is because your uncle Bill left you this Healy, and you're going to have me fix it up for you. I'm gonna I'm gonna restore it for you, and you're gonna go sell it. You're gonna put it on SCM, and everybody's gonna you know you're gonna put it on bring a trailer and make a ton of money. Not gonna happen. <laughs> it's just not gonna happen. So you know, those are good and bad reasons. I, I, there's nothing better than a guy who. I mean, I've literally seen, you know, wives with tears in their eyes of joy because the car came back. This was some car that, you know, they courted in high school with or they're, you know, they've got a, you know, their first child was born in the back seat. I don't know, whatever it might be. But, you know, (laughs) hey, that's what they want, you know. It's fine. Uh, if only we knew somebody who was still driving the same car he got in high school. Yeah, I wonder Uh who that could be. So you've got somebody who loves their car, and they bring it to you, and you take one look at it and think, oh, no, oh, no. How do you manage those expectations? Uh, with an, how, are you, how do you manage to be honest with a, a car that they own but they don't realize shouldn't go through this process? I've, I've actually, I've actually <laughs> had a couple of guys who, like, buy these cars and then ship them to Europe, you know, but I have them, like, on speed dial. And I call him and I go, hey, come on out here right now, right now. And I need you to take a look at this car for this guy because, you know, there's some cars that just shouldn't be done. They're just too far. They're just too far out. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and managing expectations starts the minute I get on the phone with someone. I mean, I was a 30-year sales guy. I, I get that. And, and people know I'm managing expectations and some of them get angry with me. I'm like, no, you don't understand. You know, you're going to throw $150,000 at a car that'll never be worth more than 75 grand. You should be, you should be thanking me for that. You know that I'm not going to take you on the big elevator ride. You know where I call you, I'm going to tell you it's 50 grand to restore this car, and I call you every week and ask for another 10k. That's that's not what you want. You know, you want someone to be honest with you and say, listen, I, I we had a guy that, that that somehow somehow acquired a little MG midget like a '74, <laughs> brought it in. He goes. You need to fix this up for me. I go, yeah, you know, listen, whatever I do to this is all of a sudden going to, you know, cost you more than a car is worth. Because I know what he paid for the car. It was like four grand. I'm like, holy cow. He says, what should I do? I go, sell this car and go buy an MGB. You're going to be so much happier. You know, <laughs> he, just, he just wouldn't listen to me. And, you know, my employees sit there and listen to me, like, do the manage expectations thing. And they think it's kind of funny because I'm trying to talk. I'm trying to talk people out of their, you know, out of doing business with us. Uh-huh. And it's just like you said, there's some cars that just shouldn't be done. Um, Triumphs, MGs, if they're really, really bad, they just shouldn't be done. You know, they, you know, like, oh, how much to fix all the rest? I go, <laughs> how much you got? <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, is there a floor left in this car? No. You know, you know. They're <laughs> No, and it's like, oh, it just needs floors and, and 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 rockers, and that's all you can see. And you know, everything else is junk. So, you know, until you put it in the air, you, you really don't know. And I, I, I start managing that really early, Brett. I just can't, you know, floor I, plan. I can't live with myself. Floor, yeah, and, and, floor pans made out of street signs and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's a stop. Is that a brand or is that you know the floor company? You know, come on. You're, you guys are killing me here. I don't know what to do with this. You know, I, I had a, we had a Triumph Tiger in, or not a Triumph, somebody Tiger in, and it was like braised together in the back. And the guy's like, all you got to do is go, no, take it out of here. I don't want to be responsible. Someone's going to get killed, and I'm going to be, in, you know, I'm going to be in depositions the rest of my life. I don't want to be <laughs> 
Take, uh, please take it away. You you're going to be talking to Steve Lato from now on. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. So we've got an idea of what you don't want to touch, and it makes sense. What is it do you you think really deserves to be restored? Uh, what merits the effort, and uh, what do you like to see come to the shop? What what do you get excited about when you see it come to you? Any cars that are going to be worth some dough down the road, even even Healy's. We we do a lot of Healy's, but even Healy's are becoming you know hard. I mean, it's hard to do a Healy for under a hundred grand. I, I, I mean, a nice car, and I don't do. You know, we don't do like fix up cars. You know, it, oh, we fix. We're gonna we're gonna fix this car up. You know, and you touch it here and you touch it there, and you get under the car and you're horrified. But you figure, oh, nobody will see that. You know, it's no problem. I, it, the minute I get, I, I tell people before they buy cars, just go under the car and take a hard look at it. Be critical. That's where the whole thing evolves from. And, and I can fix everything above, but underneath, it, if it's horrible, you're in trouble. That's going to be a bad deal. And and. He's talking I, to you, Mark. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I feel like I'm sitting in the front row Sunday morning, and yeah, the preacher's looking right at me, and I still smell like hey, beer. He's doing everything but pointing at it. you. You know, I've done it. Either that or just assume that it's terrible, you know, and that it needs floors or that, you know, there's stuff that's that's bad. And, and you know, that's that's where you can, you know, you just get lost in it. So, you know, I tell people, you know, if you got a, a pretty solid car, I mean, we, I like I like seeing a, a, solid, a solid Healy come in you know, that we can turn around and it doesn't need a ton of work, you know, and that's fine. But we do, we do like really good work. I, there's stuff, people, people come in all the time. I, I like a paint job. Oh, okay. You know, like I'm Earl Scheib or something. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but you know what, 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 what are you looking for? I want a really nice job, but I don't want it to be Concord. Okay. What does that mean? What does that mean? Is it okay if there's like orange peel all over it and dirt and dust and speckles and, you know, runs and sags? Well, I don't want that. Well, it's a Concord paint job you're looking for then, pal. I don't know what to tell you. We have cars that come in all the time. They're just full of dirt. There's dirt in the paint. There's dirt here. Some guy did it in his backyard with a spray can or spray gun. You know, I'm fine. That's fine, but I don't do that. You know, I don't do that. And and everybody thinks, you know, you can if, – if you say non-Concord that there's some style of paint that, that is cheaper than Concord paint. For a Concord paint job, I do absolutely nothing differently than I do for any other car. Nothing, we, except we probably buff it, cut it, and buff it a little bit more than I normally would. But otherwise, it's the same. It's got to be neat, and the preparation is the same. You can't have like the wavy gravy side of the car where you look at it and just kind of giggle to yourself a little, like, "Wow, why'd you even paint that?" You know, that was stupid. <laughs> so I try to tell people, it you know, it takes a month or two months to do all the body work and do all the prep, and about six hours to paint a car. They just you know they don't get that. You know it's not just paint. No, yeah. it's it's a lot, lot, lot easier it's, to shoot it than it is to prep it. Right, right. So you know, Heelys are hard because they've got lots of body panels. They've got outer fenders, inner fenders, shrouds, this, yeah. that. You know, Jaguars. They're you know, but when you do, when you do a Jag, unless it's a Series Two, you know, two plus two, which are the lost leaders of the planet. You mm-hmm. know, I mean. Nobody, nobody wants to do those, and you can't afford to give them a really, you know, you know, wonderful restoration. You buy one of those and you send it to Europe because they love them in England. They love the two plus twos in England. I think because they wear more hats than we do, or something, because the, <laughs> the roof is falling. But other than that, you know, Series One Jags all day long. They're worth a bunch of dough when you're done. If you do a nice car, they're worth some money. Um, I love doing. I like doing. You know, the, the even the Julias are starting to be worth some dough. You know, I, um, later Porsches. Probably, if you ask me, what the last three cars I'm doing, that would be the ones that I would tell you are 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 good to do. And I don't know. I don't have a Series One Jag, but we've done a whole bunch recently. Probably four or five over the last um, no, nine years. So, I've got a uh, personally. I've got a. a um, um, I just got back from the stripper, a 65 uh, Alpha Veloce, a uh, Julia Veloce. Mm-hmm. And I've got, I just bought a 65 356C coupe mm. from a guy um, that's, that's been hiding. It's been stuffed away since 1973. So it's really, oh, wow. it's radically bad. I'm really like almost embarrassed <laughs> to show pictures of it, but it's okay. I know it needs floors. I, I know what I got. Um, 
And I just did a, like a hundred, a hundred Le Mans, a hundred four, a BN one, mm. you know, Le Mans style. Yeah. And it's really pretty. And, you know, I like that car. Um, those are the cars that, you know, when you're done, if, if they're done and they're tracking over six figures, you know, you're not going to get hurt, you know, and I can do a good job for you. And, and, and it's not, and it's worth doing the car properly. You know, I, I just don't, I don't like doing, and I'll tell you what, if somebody comes in and says, Hey, you know, do my body work and, you know, get the suspension squared away and I'll, you know, put the engine in and do the trans my, or do the interior myself. I'm fine with that, but I just won't, I won't send something out like, you know, Hey, this is good enough. I, I just don't, cause it's my, there's always going to be my name on that car. Sure. Sport and specialty will always be associated with that car, whether anybody likes it or not. It's like, well, God, who did, it isn't, Hey, who did that car? It's like, Oh God, who did that car? <laughs> I don't, don't, don't want to hear that. You know, I want, I want my stuff to go, Oh, that looks like something the Sacramento would do. That's, that's what I want to hear when I'm done. So what is your, you've been racing for a couple decades now. What is your favorite car to drive on the street versus your favorite car to race while we're at it? What's your favorite car to restore? What, do, what is it you like to dive into? Again, I'll, I'll kind of just go for where, I, where I'm at today. Um, and that changes because I'm kind of fickle. But if, if you asked me this 20, 30 years ago, my, my answer would have been different, you know. But now I've got like a whole bunch of weirdo cars. And I don't say weirdo cars, but I got some cars. So, like for driving, I, I, I don't get like, oh, wow, this is such a hot rod. And I'm like, well, did you ever take this to the track? Oh, no, I just drive it on the street. My whole idea of street driving, and maybe it's because my shop is 75 miles away from my house. So I have like, when I go to the shop and I go there probably four or five days, you know, three to five days a week, you know, I like, I, I have a 150 mile round trip. Okay? Wow. So I'm looking for a car I can put on cruise control at 85 miles an hour and haul ass out to my shop. And then at the end of the day, haul ass back. That to me is a good driving car. <laughs> so I, I have this 380 SEC Mercedes. It's an 83, the first year they made those. And that is like a little personal jet plane. And it's not the real fancy five, five liter, you know, 5.6 liter car with the hydraulics and all this. It's a simple one. It's like a, it's like a 320i on steroids, you know. Mm-hmm. It's simple. It's got all the stuff. It's, it's mechanically great. It still only has like 70,000 miles on it. That's my favorite car to drive right now. It's, it, I'm like a, um, you know, I'm like a near do well trust fund kid. You know, going to see, <laughs> I'm 65 years old. <laughs> I get into that thing. It's like grandma bought that for you some years ago, didn't she? I'm like, yep, you can tell. Uh, so, you know, we, I like that car, and it's fun to drive. I, Andy Reid, speaking of Andy Reid, he and I drove it down to Amelia Island from Chicago a couple really? of years ago. Yeah, just threw our bags in the back, and I went, let's let's take the bench. Okay, he flew out here. We, we drove down to Amelia, and I drove it back, you know, 16 hours nonstop. No problem. I, that's that's what I'm looking for these car. days in a good street car. So I've got I've – got, I own a Carrier 7 That's a fun car on the street, but I wouldn't want to drive it all the time. What's your favorite race car? I still like my, my GTV. I've got a 69 Alpha GTV that I race. Um, just the Alphas are just cool. I mean, they're fun. The GTVs are – are interesting. Um, yeah, they are. They're like spiders, except they don't flex and you know move around a lot. Um, really? and, and you know, I, I did an article some time ago, or, and it was like a video piece. But I, I did a piece for the shop. It's like when it doesn't turn, you just stand on the gas harder, and it just starts hooking up and going. <laughs> I mean, they're just they're just really good cars. They're solid. They're and they're fun. You know, fun to look at and fun to drive. That that's really my favorite car so far. And I. As they say, it's sometimes fun, more fun to drive a slow car fast than oh, yeah. a fast car. You know, <laughs> like, Absolutely. oh, yeah, I could buy a whole bunch of horsepower. But, man, I'll tell you, just trying to see if I can get another tenth out of that Alpha is, like, way more fun. Way I own, more fun. I own yeah. first and second gen Corvettes. I can attest okay. to the slow okay. car fast. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> you, you got to pay attention. You yeah. Know? yeah. And, th- and those sound great. Those sound amazing, those they Alphas. Do. They yeah. do. They really yeah, do. Yeah. All right, this is the one that everybody always waits for, and it's always the best question of any interview. What's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car? Oh, I've turned I, with partner by with, myself. It, <laughs> either or, either or. Yeah, baby. yeah, yeah. No, no I, 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 I actually. It's not the dumbest my, person you've ever done in a car. It's the dumbest <laughs> thing no, ever. No, I, I, I fess up to my stuff. Um, no, I, I actually on my very first lap. My very first race at my very first practice. I mean, it, 
very first race, very first lap on practice, I turned my bug eyes. I had a bug eyes play. I turned it upside down. Very first lap. <laughs> very first lap. Oh, and I, I was I was so proud of myself. I, I'm like, yeah, that was, that was so cool. You are you are really getting this. So I, I you know, the story is. It, it rained the night before, and I had been to school, and and even goes back a little further. I had never raced before. I mean, I had never been on a track before. So I buy a I buy a car, and I like I, I like get I like faked my way through school, and I go to the and I got I got I got a permit, you know, I got my my rookie license, you know. I'm like cool, and so I go out and I'm running late, and I get out on the track, and everybody's already gone, and I get <laughs> get out there and like where the hell am I? You know, this is like, I'm going through turn one. I'm going through turn two. I'm like, okay, this is kind of familiar. You know, I did about a hundred laps. It's like two weeks before I should remember where the hell I am, but I'm like, nope, nope. I have no idea where I'm going. So I come around a corner I'm at Blackhawk farms raceway out and out near my shop actually. And I turned a corner into turn six, turn six and it rained the night before. And it was a little bit slick. And all of a sudden the back end starts coming out to the left. And I'm like, I got this. Stand on the gas, turn it, turn the wheel the opposite direction. Well, that's exactly the wrong thing to do. This thing went, hit the curb. There's an inside curb. It hit that curb, and it was like something out of the Joey Chitwood, you know, uh, <laughs> stock car show. I'm like, holy cow, I'm up on two wheels to the left, and I'm going up and up and up. I'm like, Jesus, you know, what the hell's going on here? Next thing I know, the car's on its side. And all I could think of was that door was perfect. You know what? Oh, man, I'm like, what are you doing? What What is going on here? So <laughs> You know, it's got momentum, though. And I'm still moving along pretty good. Next thing you know, it keeps going. And I'm upside down. And I got, I'm got, i like, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm praying to saints I didn't even know exists. You know, and I'm watching the kind, I'm watching the pavement, like, pass over my head. <laughs> this, this is a view I never thought I'd, I'd enjoy, you know. So it finally comes to an end, you know. And, I, and, I, and the corner worker, because I'm looking around going, how do you get out of this car? Because, you know, upside down, they're not so easy to get out of. So I'm like, holy cow. He thought I broke my neck because I had it all cocked like this looking around. <laughs> and he was scared to death to even come up to the car. Because I, I talked to him later. He goes, I was so happy you were alive. Well, yeah, me too. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those of us. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank goodness. And I, I was just remember like sitting there and my, you know, my, my belt's around and I turned the switch off and I'm just going, what, what possessed me to think this was going to be fun? You know, are you an idiot? I mean, but I, I, at this point, I had so much money invested in this stupid little adventure of mine to get into vintage racing that I dare not pull out. You know, I'm like, you can do this. You can do this. So anyway, that was that was probably the stupidest thing I've done. I've never done it again. I, you know, thank goodness. <laughs> That's good. Learn from the mistakes. That's a good thing. Yeah. I learned. I learned. That's I a very good thing. We've been speaking to John Sacamino, owner of Sport and Specialty. You can find all of the social media links for John and Sport and Specialty on DrivenRadioShow.com. John, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we'd love to have you back anytime. And uh, I, I know you've got lots more to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Give me a call. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to get you back. Thank you so very much. Thanks, guys. Nice meeting you. Take care. That dude was fun. He's he's amusing. There's some uh, there's some yeah, fun stories great. coming out of that. Well, you can tell he did sales for a long, long time because you know he's he's got that patter. He's he's got that rhythm. But uh, man, the sack on him going and buying a restoration shop in his mid fifties and that was <laughs> those serial entrepreneurs. They're like that man. They just you know they got to do something. They uh, got to be. It was gutsy. It was yeah. gutsy. Nice. But uh, they seemed. He seems to have made it work and. God, what cool stuff, man. Jaguars and Alphas and Heelys and, yeah, I won't restore an MG. <laughs> yeah, restore. Uh, uh, yeah, talk about the juice not being worth a squeeze. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, John, thank you for being on. Can't wait to have you back. Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Mr. Corey Pratt yep. and Mr. Mark Groves. Yo. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Driven Radio.